Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Glad to see all of you today. Welcome to Faith Church. Howdy, how are you? Look, some of you look tired, like you were up late watching something. I'm not sure what you were doing last night. We're not gonna talk about that. Love having the opportunity online to worship with you, to be present with you here on campus. So as you're a follower of Christ and you're kind of working through the life of Christ, if you work through the life of Christ in the Gospels, what you find is this pattern in how he talks to people. Maybe you'll resonate and see in your own life. When he starts his ministry, he starts asking people to believe him, right? And so when he's walking through the early days of his ministry, he's making statements like, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And people have a choice. Am I going to believe him or not? He's asking people in the early part of his ministry, would you believe me? The kingdom of heaven is here that the kingdom of heaven is like. And it's choices as he starts these early moments of teaching about, believe me, hey, I'm asking you to believe me that I am the son of God. Would you believe me? And things start to change as he works his way in his life and ministry. He starts to move and add to those statements of believe me. He starts to ask people to follow me. If, if, you, if you love me, you'll do what I do. As I have loved you, so you will love others. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. He starts to shift from how, let's believe me, now would you follow me? And he makes another shift in his ministry, kind of takes it one step further, where he, he asks people through powerful statements, will you follow me exclusively? Will you love me with your whole heart, strength, and mind? If you are my disciples, you will obey what I teach you, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If anyone would come after me, he says, he must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. He, he starts to use language of exclusivity. You've believed me, and as you start to believe me, you begin to follow me, and as you follow me, will you follow me above anything or anyone else? I want to be Lord over every aspect of your life, not just a part of who you are. I want exclusive loyalty. Love me with everything you've got. And maybe you notice this in your own life. It's like, think back to when you started to hear about Jesus. I don't know where that was for you, but Jesus makes these claims and the teaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. You have a choice to believe him or not, that he is the son of the God or he isn't. He is the one who can give you rest for your weary souls or he isn't. And so maybe you remember, I started to believe in Jesus. And as you start to believe in Jesus and believe on Jesus, you begin to make decisions about whether you're gonna follow him or not, and you start to put into practice the things that Jesus says. I'm gonna love like Jesus loves people. I wanna serve people like Jesus serves people. I'm gonna put into practice the things he's saying. And then it moves towards some of these statements that says, will you love me with your whole heart, strength, and mind and not have any compartment or component where you don't trust me? Will you put your full weight on me 
and believe me, follow me, obey me, no matter what the cost or consequence is. And when it gets to this part of follow me exclusively, most of us go, I'm not sure I can do that. It's like, I can believe you, Jesus. Absolutely, I wanna follow you. But is it even possible to follow you with my whole heart, strength, and mind? Excuses. Is it even possible to obey every part of the commandments, every part of the Bible, and we start to give excuses why I'll believe him, I'm following him, but I'm not gonna follow him exclusively. I mean, I believe the Bible like 95%, but 5%, uh, I'm not sure I'm gonna believe all of that. I will obey 98% of the Bible, but exclusive, total, I'll listen to everything the Bible says, uh, I'm not sure, and we start to hedge. We start to make excuses of why I can't do that. I can't give you my complete loyalty, God. Like, I, I, why, how could anybody do that? Why would anyone do that? And what Jesus is inviting his followers to do is to discover that following him exclusively is the path to freedom, peace, and joy. And he won't push that on you, but many of us get stuck in bad patterns Many of us get stuck in sin. Many of us get stuck in doubt. Some of us get bored in our faith. We've been following Jesus for a long time. We're kind of bored. And maybe the reason we're stuck is because we're unwilling to give Jesus our complete and total loyalty. We hold back. And then we wonder why we're stuck. And so today... We're gonna look at a part of the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is inviting exclusive loyalty. Luke chapter nine. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on, open them up. Love for you to follow along. Luke chapter nine, verse 57 through 62. And I think it'd be good for us to pray because some of us took a whooping last night. And you know, if you're a Giants fan like me, like we need to pray, right? Before we keep going, we just gotta pray. So would you pray with me? before we jump into this text together. God, thank you so much that we can laugh together and cry together. Thank you for football. We enjoy it. Thanks for a good win for some, and thanks for a good loss. Like every aspect of who we are, we can trust you with. We can invite you into every component, even our NFL following. Lord, we trust you with every part of who we are. And so God, Many people that are here today or are watching online, we've chosen to believe you. Many of us have chosen to follow you. But we also struggle with making excuses why we can't give you our everything. And so for the person today that's just exploring faith in Jesus, I pray that you would open their eyes and hearts and minds to hear your character and love. But to the person who's been following you and trusting you, I pray that you would help us to see beyond all the smoke screens of things we'll give as excuses and discover the path of peace and the path of joy is surrendering our total lives to you, even when that seems impossible. Your spirit can help us. So we trust you and we ask that you would speak to us today in Christ's name, amen. Luke chapter nine. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Strong words from Jesus. What's the context in which he's making these statements? People are believing him. People are following him. And Jesus is starting to sort of ramp up his statements to give people a choice. Like, are you really going to follow me? If I say something you don't like, are you going to walk away? If I ask you to do something that you don't agree with, are you going to ditch me? He's starting to ramp up his talks to invite them into something exclusive with him and not sharing our loyalty and love with others. And one of the ways you know he's doing this, he's making statements that cause people to go, yes, I believe that, or no, I don't, but you can't get stuck in the middle. And I want you to just go back a couple verses to chapter 9, verse 22. Jesus makes this statement a couple days earlier, chronologically, a couple verses earlier in the Gospels of just bold statements that you can't just look away from and choose to sit on the fence about. Jesus says, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life again. Jesus is predicting that he must die for the sins of the world. Either he does die for the sins of the world or he doesn't. You got to decide. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Wow, Jesus has to suffer and die and he's inviting his disciples to suffer and die too. And he's making these statements like you're either going to believe that he's going to suffer and die or you're not. And he's saying, hey, just like I'm going to die, you too have to pick up your cross and follow me and die as well. And don't be ashamed of me. He's using this strong language to get us off the fence of sort of sitting there kind of caught in between. Am I going to obey and follow him or am I not? Yes or no? He's inviting people to make a choice. And then something interesting happens as you keep moving through this chapter. Remember, Jesus predicted that he would die, but then in verse 51, something happens. It says in Luke 9, 51, Jesus begins to walk towards his death. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. What does that mean? As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, as he walked towards the fact and time when he was going to be tortured and falsely accused and nailed to a cross, did he hesitate? The time in his ministry where the teaching was starting to be over and the healing was starting to be over and it was time to come and do what the father wanted him to do, to lay down his life for the sins of the world, did Jesus hem and haw? Did he get caught on the fence? Did he go, well, you know, I kind of like this whole following you, God, but not when it comes to dying and being tortured. I'm going to hit the eject button. No, 
He says you resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Like, here's the day and it's time to go. And now I gotta go. It doesn't mean that it was easy. It doesn't mean he liked it. It doesn't mean he like felt good about it. It was like, this is what I've come to do. I've come to obey my father and I know this is the path of peace and I entrust myself to God the Father. I'm resolute. I'm gonna walk towards my death and resurrection. And it's in this moment It's in this moment that he's walking on his way to Jerusalem that this scene takes place. Luke 9, 57, as they were walking along the road, where are they going along that road? Oh, they're going to Jerusalem. What's gonna happen there? A party? We're gonna have a great time? No, Jesus is gonna be falsely accused, tortured, and die. As they're walking on the road to Jesus' death, as they're going there, some dude goes, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests. The son of man has no place to lay his head. It's almost as if Jesus is saying to this guy, do you know what you're talking about? Do you know what you're saying? You're making a bold statement. When I came to earth, there there wasn't even a place for me to be born. I was born in a manger. During my ministry, man, animals have better places to live than I have. Do you know what you're saying when you say, I'll follow you wherever you go? Do you know the cost? He's not trying to discourage the guy. He's just trying to have him see what he's saying, that following Jesus is more than words, but it's a costly obedience. It's more than just saying, I'll follow you wherever. It's realizing that when you say that, wherever is pretty strong language. And Jesus is saying, I'm heading to die. And if you wanna follow me, you have to die too. He's inviting us into a costly obedience but it's the pathway to joy and peace. And Jesus would never ask us to do something he wasn't willing to do himself. So when he resolutely sets out for Jerusalem, he's showing us that even when it's hard, obeying God is the path of peace. So maybe in your life, you have a hard conversation that you have to have because of you know what's right inside your heart. Are you resolute about that? Are you wishy-washy? Something hard because you're willing to follow Jesus. It might cost you. It might be difficult. But you go, no, this is what it looks like to obey. I'll come hell or high water. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, even when it's difficult, even when it costs. Jesus set his mind to go and die and entrusted his full self to God the Father. And he's inviting us to that same type of costly obedience, knowing that's the path of peace. Whenever I follow God and obey God, whatever the cost, that is the path of peace. On the road to the cross, verse 59, Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So this guy has a dead father and all he wants to do is bury him. And Jesus is like, hey, don't worry about that. That sounds kind of harsh, right? Like, Jesus, really? Like, you don't want this guy to just go bury his dad? But what he's trying to do is inviting him and giving him an assignment to saying, what's more important than your dead father? Something else. I actually think what Jesus is doing, he's kind of cleaning through a smoke screen. This guy is giving an excuse of why he won't follow. And you do the same thing. Like, you know that people do smoke screens around you. Like, remember that time when you, when you had a washing machine you needed to move from one side of the house to the other or to the curb? And you asked a friend, and they're like, you know, 
I, I can't help because I have this drawer, the second one down from my dresser, it has all these socks in it. And, and those socks, like there's mismatches and it's overflowing and I got some with holes. So this Saturday, when you need help, I'm gonna be dumping my sock drawer out and I'm gonna be organizing that and rearranging that. So I'm sorry, I'm not able to help you. And you're like, dude, you are so lame. That is such a cheesy, cheap excuse. That's what Jesus is saying to this guy. Like, really, you're gonna put your sock drawer in front of me? I know you think burying your dad is important, but following Jesus is obeying his commands without delay. There's something specific about this man where he says to him, follow me. And this guy's throwing up a smoke screen and Jesus is saying, I am the king of the universe and I am telling you, follow me without delay. Other people can take care of what you think is important. Will you follow me without delay and without question? I'm the king. Other people can obey other things, but I'm talking to you. Follow me. There's something about this interaction where he's looking at this guy and sees the excuses and smoke screens. Follow me. And the guy throws up the sock drawer and Jesus is like, I see that. Get rid of that. Will you follow me without delay? No excuses. Verse 61, still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. For first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I don't think Jesus is trying to be unreasonable. I don't think he's trying to be discouraging. He's inviting this guy into an exclusive relationship. And he uses imagery, right? So there's a a farmer that's got a a group of oxen and they're plowing the field. And this guy's plowing the field and looking over his head. And it's like you driving down 22 and looking in your rearview mirror the entire time. What's gonna happen? If you're driving down 22 and you're looking in the rearview mirror the entire time, what is going to happen? It's dangerous. It's unproductive. You are not fit to drive down 22. And Jesus is saying to this guy, following is looking forward, not backward. It's keeping your eyes up and forward and looking forward to what's happening, not spending your time looking backward in your rearview mirror or looking around and comparing yourself to others or thinking about what you've done in the past or what's been done to you in the past. It's eyes forward. We pray, Lord, may your kingdom come, your will be done with eyes forward, but we spend our lives thinking about the things that have happened beyond us. We don't actually believe the kingdom is here and that we're moving forward in the kingdom. Jesus is like eyes forward, upward, not backward and downward. But Jesus, let me say goodbye to my friends. Let me clean this up. Let me fix that. Let me get this right. Let me know more, grow more, learn more. Then I will follow you. And Jesus is like, stop. Stop the excuses. Forward. The kingdom is here. Kingdom is coming, eyes forward. And I think most of us that hear this stuff, we, we look at it and go, I, I can believe Jesus. I can believe him. Maybe you're struggling to that today. I'm glad you're here. But I, I want to believe him. I want to follow him, but follow him exclusively. And here comes all the excuses, right? All the reasons why I can't or I won't. And these three little scenes where Jesus interacts with these people help me because Jesus in this kind of gives us what does it look like to exclusively follow Jesus? It's more than words, but a costly obedience. It's obeying his commands without delay. It's looking forward, not backward. And I think many of us look at that and go, I'll follow you, Jesus, but I can't 
do it in action. I got words, but no action to follow it. Or I'll do it, but when it's convenient to me or when I like it or when I feel like it or when it makes sense to me. Or I'll follow you, but I'm really regretting what I've done in the past. And I'm comparing myself to the people around me. And I have eyes everywhere but forward on you. And we have all kinds of excuses why I can't do this. But, but maybe as we begin 2023, can I encourage you, if you're someone who believes in Jesus and wants to follow Jesus, maybe just quit the excuses, shut up, and just stop. Just honestly stop the excuses. Stop the whining, stop the negativity, stop the complaining, stop all the reasons why you can't. And maybe it's just saying kind of like to Jesus, I'll put my full weight on you, and if this is what it looks like to follow you, I'll do it. And I won't be able to do it perfectly and I won't get it right all the time and I'll make a lot of mistakes, but I see what you want from me and I'm willing to do it because I've tried all kinds of other things and I'm stuck. I'm bored in my faith. I keep falling into the same patterns. I keep doing the same things over and over again and I keep giving you excuses. Maybe it's time to just say, I'll follow you, whatever the cost. I'll say yes and I'll do it. It doesn't make sense to me, but I will do it. And I want to just stop for a minute and just kind of maybe give a reason why some of us struggle with this. I know why I struggle with it. Just maybe kind of pull back a couple layers and talk about why some of us struggle with this. And it kind of goes into our human nature. As humans, we're made up of a variety of parts, right? So check this out. We have these different components of who we are. We have our mental state, our spiritual state, our relational state, emotional, sexual, physical. You might add some other components, but we have all these different components of who we are. And we can talk about all the different aspects of these different components, and we can look at them and think about them, and there's nuances and differences between all of them. But in reality, all of these components are one. Like, we are integrated. So yes, we can talk about all these different components, but in reality, they're all interconnected, right? So all of these things, like you could talk about your mental state, your emotional state, but you can't like talk about your physical state without considering your mental state and your relational state. It's all interconnected. But here's the deal. Reality is we actually like it separated. So, so we kind of want it disintegrated. We actually like, in our culture, we like to be more disintegrated pulled apart into our components, then integrated into one. And we kind of like the notion of going, well, I got my spiritual life, and I have my sexual life, and I have my relational life, and I have my physical life, and they're all different, and we like to keep them that way. Let's keep it all separated out, and let's kind of live that way. And we find ourselves, now what the heck does this have to do with following Jesus? Thank you for asking. When Jesus says, follow me, we think he's making a spiritual comment. We think when Jesus says, follow me, he's like, in your spiritual life, follow me. In your spiritual life, read your Bible. In your spiritual life, obey me. In your life on Sunday, follow me. In your Christian component, in your Christian com compartment, you do Christian things. But leave the rest of this stuff alone. I'm going to follow you over here, but it doesn't touch all of here. We like it that way. Stay over here. Keep it in the compartment. When Jesus says, follow me, he means all of me. He means all the different components together. He's not separating out. 
and going, well, I mean your spiritual life. I mean your physical life. I lead your relational life. No, he's saying, all of you follow me. Trust me with all the different components of your life. But we love our compartments. We love to keep it disintegrated. And then we wonder why we have problems, right? And so when I, when I think of us physically, there's many of us that are walking with Jesus spiritually, and we don't see how it impacts our lives physically. So there'll be followers of Christ that have no problem with anorexia. That's my physical life. That's not my spiritual life, really? Or physically gluttonous, or you comfort eat, or I can only tell you because I do, I comfort eat, I comfort eat, and I'm okay with that physically as if that doesn't have a spiritual reality. I'm okay with being bulimic or anorexic or working out like crazy because of my body image is most important to me. I'm okay with that, but now I'm gonna step into my spiritual life. That's a separate component. We like to separate things out, and Jesus is saying, no, everything is integrated. Stop the excuses. You don't get to say, that's my spiritual life. No, I want you to follow me in every aspect of who you are. No excuses, and it's all integrated. And this is super important because we do this with God. I like certain compartments of who God is. I like certain parts of his character, but I don't like other parts of his character. I like certain parts of the Bible, but I don't like the whole Bible. Pull it apart, disintegrate. And God's saying, no, integrate it. Follow me in all of your compartments. And that's the path of peace. It makes me think of this quote by Abraham Kuyper. He says, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ does not cry, mine. There's not a spot. Look at this. I think he's right. There's not a spot in all of the cosmos, let alone all of the planet, let alone all of my heart, my body, my mind, my soul. There's not a whole spot where God doesn't say, Joe, that's mine. Your finances are mine. Your gender is mine. Your sexuality is mine. Your gluttony is mine. Your slant. Every part of who you are, it's mine. Are you going to release and surrender all of it to me, or are you going to compartmentalize and go, I'll trust you with a part of me, but not all of me? And then you wonder why you're stuck? When the king of the universe says, everything you have is mine, but he doesn't force himself on you. He doesn't make you surrender all of those components and compartments. He says, trust me, I love you, I care about you. Open your heart and mind and let me into every compartment and every space and every component. Trust me with everything you've got and I'll give you freedom and I'll give you joy and I'll give you peace. He's not trying to invade your life to dominate you. He's trying to lead you out of the stuck that so many of us find ourselves in where we want to control certain aspects of our lives and then we wonder why things are hard. So this one guy goes, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, until it's hard physically, then you'll stop following me, right? Excuses, compartmentalize. I'll follow you spiritually, but not physically. One guy, like, follow me. And Jesus says, the guy says, well, my family is more important than you are. And Jesus says, no, I am the most important thing to you. I am bigger than your relationships. One guy goes, I'll follow you wherever you go, but first let me go backwards. Jesus says, no, eyes forward. Trust me forward. Walk with me forward. Don't look back. Don't look around. Trust me. And Jesus is inviting us that maybe one of the reasons why we make so many excuses 
is because we're not willing to give him our exclusive loyalty. We're not willing to say, no more excuses, I'll follow you. Even though it's hard, even though I don't understand, even though I'm not sure. And what Jesus isn't looking for is you to follow him perfectly, because nobody can look follow him perfectly. But can you say you're the king, the master of everything? That's what I want you to be. Be that in me and watch what he does. And, and I know some of you are watching and listening and going, I don't believe Jesus is my king, so I'm not gonna follow him. Like, I actually respect you a heck of a lot if today you go, I think this is all bunk. Like, if you come to church or watch church online and you think this is all crazy, at least be honest about it. Stop playing the game, right? It's like, be honest about it. If you don't believe, great, you don't believe, awesome. But if you say you believe, then follow. And if you follow, follow exclusively. And if you're sitting on the fence, maybe 2023 is the year to get off the fence because it doesn't look good on you. It just doesn't. Caught in the middle doesn't do anything for anyone. And so it's kind of why we develop things to help you. Like I'd encourage you, I don't know where you are in your journey of trying to understand who Jesus is, but I'd love you to read our Bible reading plan for this next couple months, The Life of Christ, right? You can download it on our website or in the app, go to our resources page. And it's just journeying with Jesus through his life chronologically, a couple chapters of the Bible every week so that you can say, okay, I've been talking about Jesus or thinking about Jesus or around Jesus my whole life. And it's time for me to make a decision in 2023 who he is. And so lean into this. Stop the excuses of I'll figure it out when I get older or I'll deal with it another day. Get off the fence. If you're stuck in the middle, like just do something about it. And then if you decide not to follow him, man, there's a lot of better things to be doing right now than being here. Like go to brunch, right? Like at least you're being honest about it, being honest about your faith. But if you say you believe and you're following Jesus, it's time to give him your exclusive loyalty and say, I trust you with everything. That means I trust you with my sin and shame. And guess what he does? He forgives you removes your sin and shame. He frees you from your sin and shame. It's, I trust you, God, because I feel purposeless and I I'm feel kind of haphazard. I don't know what my purpose is. When you entrust yourself exclusively to Jesus, he gives you spiritual gifts and responsibilities in the kingdom. It gives you purpose. When you trust him exclusively, he adopts you into a family. You're connected. You're not alone anymore. And part of that connection is being baptized, coming to know Jesus and going public with your faith so that we know that you're a part of the community of faith because you raise your hand and say, I believe I'm gonna follow Jesus and obey him in baptism. And you get to be a part of a family. You're connected with other people. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, don't get stuck on the fence. Don't get stuck on the fence. The pathway to peace, a pathway to joy, a pathway to being unstuck is stopping the excuses of why you can't believe, why you can't follow, all the smoke screens. Because that's what happens. Like when we, when we use excuses, here's what we're doing. Smoke screen, diversionary tactic, excuse to get shift, right? So like, do I really want to help you move your washing machine? Heck no. It'd be better if I just said to you, I'm not moving your dang washing machine, Right? But the sock draw excuse is so lame. And yet as followers of Christ, that's what we do to God all the time. 
and to the people around us. All kinds of lame excuses that if we peel it back, it's like, I'm too stubborn, I don't want to. I'm too willing to give in to my appetites and my feelings. They seem to taste better and feel better, so I'm gonna choose that. Like, be honest about it. Or stop the excuses in the smokescreen and go, okay, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, every part of it. I surrender all of it to you. I'm not sure how it's gonna happen, but I give you everything. In that moment of surrender where you give it to Jesus and ask his spirit to help you, he will help you. He'll never ask you to do something he won't help you to do. So his spirit is gonna help you integrate, follow him in all the different components. It will help you if you are willing. He won't barge in. So let's pray together. Father, uh, these are hard concepts and things to talk about. Many of us do believe, and many of us want to follow, but following you exclusively seems way too narrow and may even seem impossible. Would your spirit help us to do what we can't do? God, you know Joe Hensler, and you know how many different ways I throw up smokescreen and excuses. I bend the truth. Don't speak straight. I try to hide. Specific ways you've commanded me to obey and I've chosen not to. And I get myself stuck. We all do. So God, would you help us to be authentic even with our unwillingness to obey, our stubbornness, our excuses. Right now, may we confess our excuses to you and just say we're sorry, as if we can hide from you. You see everything. Give us the confidence that you're good and patient and kind, that you would never lead us to do something that would be bad for us or unjust or wrong, but you're always leading us to good things, even if it costs. Your son Jesus walked resolutely towards the cross and you took care of him every step of the way and rewarded him for his obedience. So whatever difficulty we have to walk towards today, remind us that you're with us always and you will reward us with peace and joy. And it may be difficult. The sun's gonna come out. The tears are going to be over. And your kingdom is coming. And all things will be made right. So this short, difficult season we call life on planet Earth, remind us that there's so much more. We wanna please you. We wanna follow you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.